Hold on, guys. I know you're making a podcast, but I just gotta drink this water really quick. I gotta and drink really the whole loud. thing. I gotta drink it all up. I've never been so thirsty in my whole life. This water's really good, guys. Y'all should get some of that. Do y'all even do y'all drink water? It's really good. You should drink the water. Right, I think the louder you drink it, the better it is. I didn't try this. That's really the best I've ever tasted. It's really the best, guys. Alright, I think I'm done now. Oh, oh man, I'm real thirsty again. I'm gonna get some more. Hello, friends. This is Carrie White, and you are listening to Tales to Inspire. Disbanded. President Roosevelt has decommissioned Operation American Defense in light of their AWOL mission to kill Adolf Hitler. Each hero now sets off on their own journey to pursue their own threads. Our first stop takes us to Sister Solstice in her family's secluded bed and breakfast, where she has come face to face with her mother after she went missing two years ago. Where has Mother Midnight been? And what of her masked attacker? These questions and more look inside this issue. As we open this issue of Tales to Inspire, we see a three-story bed and breakfast with a little uh, painted white sign uh, out by a sidewalk by a, a nice white picket fence. It is swinging gently in the breeze, and the painted text on this hanging board says Daniel's house Uh, and we see a man walking by the the front of the panel and he is holding a newspaper and we just see a very big headline on the newspaper revitalize Soviets in peace talks with Nazi-less Germany comma will FDR and USA follow and then in the next panel we are inside Doris Daniel's bed and breakfast and Doris I believe you and Auntie Arcane and your mother Delilah Daniel are at the kitchen table and we see Delilah Daniel this this character who when we first were introduced to her was poised and graceful and and beautiful and powerful all at the same time and we see her now and she's disheveled, dirty. Her hair is messy and tangled. She is wearing clothes that are not her own. And she's sitting at the table. And I think either you or Auntie Arcane has prepared something for Delilah to eat. I prepared it. Okay. What, what did you prepare for your mother? Uh, it has been two years since you've seen her. I kind of pulled out all the stops. I made um, fresh hot tea, her favorite um, flavoring of that, Um, uh, fluffy pancakes, um, eggs, bacon, all the things. Okay. Have you had a chance to change out of what you were wearing to the inauguration? Um, Yes. Okay. So you're in plain, plain clothes? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
uh, and Auntie Arcane is standing in the background, and Delilah is just sipping this tea. She has not touched her pancakes yet, but she is quietly sipping this tea, and it's just this silent panel. Doris, do you break the silence, or do you? What do you do as your mother, who you've not seen for two years? Last time you saw her, she was fighting a masked assailant in your kitchen. Then she jumped through the pantry and disappeared through one of those magic portals. Um, I'm kind of like flitting around trying to like make everything just perfect, um, and so I'm like just really busying myself with that because I'm really nervous because I like don't know what's happened and I don't really know how to like I don't know get back into life here with like you know sure it's been a while since you've been here and established for more than a little bit Mm -hmm. okay so um, Auntie Arcane approaches the table Delilah, where have you been for the past two years? Delilah takes another sip of her tea. Auntie Arcane, thank you so much for taking care of the bed and breakfast in my absence and taking care of Doris. As you know, whoever we were attacked by that night, uh, I jumped through one of the portals with them and we ended up halfway across the continent we were battling and uh, I felt a a strange weakness fall over me and I, I do not know who this person is But whoever they are, they have a way to strip us of our magic. Anti-Arcane raises a a hand over her mouth. And you've never had that experience before? No. As you know, Doris, whenever we are brought into the coven and we uh, partake of the summer's flower we are gifted this connection to summer and its magic and its splendor and until now she looks at anti-arcane for uh, like confirmation until now we did not know of a way to separate a, a witch from her magic and anti-arcane goes to say something but Mother Midnight keeps talking. I do not know how he was able to do it, but it had to do something with this this medallion that he wore on his neck. But he somehow was able to sever my connection from magic, and then he disappeared. It took me all of two years to work my way back across a war-torn continent and all the way back here. She looks across the table at you. Oh, Taurus. You've grown so much. And I missed it all. She reaches across the table for your hand. I take her hand. What's important is that you're here now. I'm home. And that is the best place to be. Anti-Arcane speaks up. We must let the others know that you have been stripped of your power. Surely this knowledge, this this anti-magic must be brought before the elders. Delilah holds up her hand. We will, we will deal with that in time. Whenever I'm ready to talk to the elders, I will speak with them. Auntie, thank you so much for your help here, but I believe it is time that you return to your restaurant and I return to the business of running this bed and breakfast. Whatever we can do to spread the embrace of summer. Auntie Arcane nods. She pats Delilah on the shoulder. Take care of yourself, Delilah. She turns and looks at you, Doris. 
Make sure you're here to help her, Sister Solstice. Yes, Auntie. And then she walks out the swinging door of the kitchen. Mother Midnight looks at you quizzically. What was that about? I may have done some traveling while you were gone. Oh, dear. Where... where to? Were you looking for me? Um... Here and there. I I did look for you some. Well, what... Child, what would make you forsake your sacred duty of... of respite and care? Oh, I wasn't forsaking my sacred duty. I was just... Doing it other places. Okay. That sounds bad. <laughs> <laughs> just, I'm like, ah. Doing it other places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took my show on the road. <laughs> <laughs> she pats your hand. Okay, well, I suppose this is a conversation for another time, dear. But. Andy Arcane would disagree with me, but I'm afraid that I must send you away. You see, I believe there was a reason that man attacked this bed and breakfast at night. The medallion, the ability to cut off a witch from her magic, him showing up here on that night. I believe whoever this is has a knowledge of the inner workings of our covens. And I believe he seeks to find the heart of nature. And Sister Solstice, you've heard about the heart of nature before. It is this uh, ancient power, this primal power that all the covens pull their magic from. The summer coven, the spring coven, the autumn coven, the winter coven. They all pull their power from different aspects of the heart of nature. Um, It is a closely guarded secret within the covens um and your mother is saying that this masked attacker who attacked the bed and breakfast at night knows about this how is that possible i'm i'm not sure i don't know doris and i i wish that we had the liberty and freedom to take time to learn But we don't. Doris, I'm sending you on a very important mission. I'm sending you on something called a rite of joining. And Sister Solstice, you have not heard this term before. A what? Uh, A rite of joining. It is a... um, It is a journey that a young witch undertakes where she goes to the different covens, communes with them, completes a a task or trial for them, and she is then taken into that coven and taught their ways. To know all of the seasonal coven's magic is forbidden to all, but the Tetra. And I'm sending you on this to learn this magic and to gain this power, but also so that you can find the key to the heart of nature. When that man attacked that night, I believe he was searching for my piece of the key. What makes you think that I can do all of the types of magic? There is a prophecy, an ancient prophecy of our order, that speaks of one who would be able to fulfill this prophecy. She smiles sadly. At one point I thought the prophecy referred to me. And she strokes her hand lovingly. But I failed. What do you mean you failed? That's a discussion for another time, my dear. And I regret that I must now pass 
the burden that I once sought to take onto you. Because if the heart of nature is in danger, then the entire world and all of womankind are in danger. I know this is a great burden to put on you. My poor sweet little flower. But we have no other choice. When do I leave? As soon as you can. But first, she reaches out a hand and you see her fingers splayed out as if to do a spell. But no spell comes and she curls her fingers up. And with a sigh, she laboriously gets out of her chair and walks across to the uh, pantry or to the cupboards. She opens it up and she takes, she reaches up to the top shelf where these cast iron pans are and she pulls them down, three stacked on top of each other, and she takes them apart. And in the bottom of one of these cast iron trays, or laying, I guess, in one of the cast iron trays beneath another, is a scrap of paper. She unfolds it and hands it to you. This is a first piece that will lead you to the heart of nature. Carrie, I'm going to text you something. Awkward. So Sister Solstice, she hands you this rolled up piece of paper, this old, ancient, yellowing, folded in on itself, frayed at the edges piece of paper. And you unroll it. Could you please read for us what that paper says? Summer royals a journey long thought lost. Pay a pact of blood adhered to a cost. That's your first clue. By going to all the covens and completing all the tasks, you will find the other clues that will lead you to the heart of nature. Your first stop will be in the autumn coven. And let's world build a little. Where is the autumn coven located? So, for those that don't know... uh, uh, this this branch of the Summer Coven is located in, uh, shoot, where is it, Carrie? It's not isn't Eugene. It, isn't it Salem, Oregon? Yes, it is Salem. It is Salem, Oregon. Um, at one point in time, I kind of thought like, oh, maybe like other Salem's have other covens in them. I don't know, like, but uh, what do y'all think? Where would the Autumn Coven uh, place itself? Are there other Salem's? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. There is Salem, Alabama. Salem, Arkansas. Also Salem, Arkansas. (laughs) Salem, Connecticut. Salem, Florida. Salem, Georgia. Also Salem, Georgia. Salem, Illinois. Salem, Indiana. Also Salem, Indiana. What's up with all these double... Oh, there's four Salem's in Indiana. (laughs) What? Salem, Iowa, Salem, Kentucky, Salem, Massachusetts, uh, Salem, Michigan, Salem, Missouri, Salem, Missouri, Salem, Nebraska, Salem, New Hampshire, Salem, New Jersey, uh, Salem, New Mexico, Salem, New York, Salem, North Carolina. Okay, so let's just pick a state, (laughs) and there's a Salem there. (laughs) So what state? I mean, do we like that? Do we like, like, covens being based in Salem? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ohio is pretty in the fall. Okay. Salem, Ohio. Is that the one state that doesn't have... Nope, there's a Salem, Ohio. Okay, good. (laughs) So your first stop will be to a branch of the Autumn Coven in Salem, Ohio. Um, The Autumn Coven will take you in. They will uh, give you their challenge, and you will have to rise to meet it. Do they know I'm coming? Oh, that is a good point. Um, she unbuttons the top few buttons of her blouse, and she takes off this gold chain, and she pulls it up, and there's a little pendant on it. Um, and I think the pendant is of a, uh, a tree, uh, like this gold circle with uh, a tree with branches reaching out over the edges. Uh, and you, you have never seen this before, Sister Solstice. Um, But your mother hands it out to you and loops it over your neck and it kind of droops 
and sags down uh, a little bit past your your diaphragm down to your belly. She says, usually, uh, a witch who wants to partake of a rite of joining would have to meet with the the head mothers to receive approval. But we don't have time for that. We don't have time for deliberation. This will get you in. Just tell them that you are here to partake of the rite of joining and show them this. That should be proof enough. Okay. She takes your hand in her... Er, she takes your face in her hands and she looks at you and says, I'm so very proud of you. I'm so sad that I've missed so much of your growing up, but... I hope to see much more of it after this. Do no harm. And always protect the underdog. Hello friends and welcome to the mid-roll section of Season 1, Episode 15 of Tales to Inspire. I'm your host, David White, and welcome to the mid-roll. I hope that you are enjoying this very character-centric episode focusing on Sister Solstice. As I've already mentioned, the back half of Season 1 of Tales to Inspire is going to focus a lot more on the characters and their personal stories and their personal conflicts. So I'm very excited to jump off this half of the season with a special episode of Sister Solstice. And fans of Misconceptions will be very excited to hear that we have a very special guest that will be uh, starring in this episode and in the next episode. I guess you have to figure out who that person is after our show notes. Or, I mean, you could just scroll down and, and look at the, the notes that have already been typed up. You, it's a spoiler. You could see who it is that way. Or, or you, could, you could wait, you know, be shocked and surprised and be like, wow, this is brand new information for me. I didn't, I didn't know this was happening. Or, I mean, you, seriously, you could just scroll down and look. Anyways, as you may know, we are a show that is supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. And as you also might know, we have unfortunately fallen below one of our goals, our $300 a month goal. That is the goal that makes us able to sustainably pay our performers $5 for every hour that we spend recording. Now, I am still paying our performers for the episodes that we record, but our bank account is getting low because we're not replenishing enough to sustainably pay our performers. So, at $300 a month, we would be able to do that. Currently, we are at $255 a month, so we are just $45 shy of our goal. If we could have nine listeners sign up for the $5 a month option, we would be able to get back to our $300 a month goal. And also, if you do the $5 a month option, you will get early access to episodes of Tales to Inspire before they are released to the general public. And you will also get exclusive audio that will not be released except on our patron-only feed. Now, I realize that with us just having one show right now, Tales to Inspire, you aren't getting early access content to our other show, Sins of the Father. However, I am planning on releasing at least one patron-exclusive show starting next month. Now, you'll have to wait until our, you know, anniversary announcement to figure out what that patron-exclusive show is going to be, but I already asked some of the patrons what they thought of it, and they seem pretty excited. So, I'm very excited to unveil that show to you, and of course, I would love to put out more shows. It just matters how much time and energy we can devote to it. So, if you would like to support us, we just need nine of y'all, nine listeners that would like to support our show, that appreciate the work that Carrie does, that appreciate the work that Occam and Phil and Marlo and Christy and, oh, what's that other person's name? I don't know. I always, 
I always forget. I'm just kidding. Mitchell, if you would like to support all of those wonderful people for the work they do on the show, please, $5 a month. It's not going to break the bank, but it will really help us out. And speaking of Patreon, we do have a sort of new reward tier on our Patreon, which is the $20 a month club. On the $20 a month club, you get access to the monthly sticker club. Every month, I will send you a sticker with a little handwritten note. This month, our patrons at the $20 and up level are going to get a Sins of the Father sticker. And then next month, I'm going to send out an exclusive Tales to Inspire logo sticker. So if you would like that Tales to Inspire sticker, go ahead, hop over to our Patreon, pledge $20 a month, and I will send you that handwritten letter with the Tales to Inspire sticker. Now, if you cannot help us monetarily, we completely understand money is tight, and, you know, a lot of our lives revolve around money. So we understand if you cannot help us out financially. If you can't help us out financially, please help spread us around. Spread us through social media. Spread us by word of the mouth. Talk about us with anybody who listens to podcasts. You know, jump in those suggestions on Twitter and on Facebook and be like, hey, maybe you should try out this thing. Uh, But... We would just really appreciate it if you could help spread us around, expose more people to our story, especially the stories that we're creating uh, in the back half of Season 1. I think that uh, the work that we do in the back half of Season 1 is very, very good. Uh, It is definitely the kind of uh, pacing and theme I would like to carry forward into Season 2 of Tales to Inspire. Uh, But I say all that to say... Just show us to some different people, and hopefully they will like us and start listening to us as well. Well, that's enough out of me. Let's get back to this episode, and let's see who that special guest is going to be. think we turn the page to a farm you know the idyllic american farm with a huge red barn uh crops and rows uh in the back with a little farmhouse um and you keep walking and you see these uh women walking around uh taking care of this farm tending to the sheep tending to the garden uh, you see one walking back with a sheep dog and all these uh, sheep with him. Um, but you see this woman come out dressed in a, a brown dress with an orange apron. Uh, she comes down the steps of the house to you and says, Can I help you? I'm here for the right of joining. The right of joining, you say? I... Did not know that the headmothers had chosen a new... As she's saying this, I'm, like, trying to pull out the thing that's all the way down my... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so you're, like, reaching into your shirt, and this this woman, like, cocks an eyebrow, like, okay. No, I'm, like, pulling out the medallion. Yes. No, it's not a medallion. It's a pendant. I'm pulling out the pendant. Okay. You pull out the pendant. Ka-ching. Cool, now I don't have to put in a sound effect. Insert cool sound effect here. Oh, I see. Welcome, sister, to the Autumn Coven. I am Mother Mary Gold, and your name is? Sister Solstice. Sister Solstice. What coven do you hail from? The Summer Coven. We welcome you. Well, I assume you would like to start your right right away. Uh, Come with me. She leads you inside. Uh, She... (laughs) She 
goes to this medicine cabinet and opens it up, and there's all these tonics and bottles, uh, but she grabs a small burlap pouch. She hands it to you. You will take this seed to the top of that rise on the horizon, and she leads you to a, a window, and she points out of it, and you see in the distance, past the farmlands, through some trees, you see a small hill, maybe a small mountain in the distance. You will take it to the top, and you will plant it in some loamy soil at the top. You will let it sit in the moonlight, and you will let it grow. And then you will harvest its fruit, make it into a tea, and partake of that tea. Do I need to repeat anything that I've said, Sister Solstice? No. Excellent. Once you reach the point where the farmland meets the forest, you will encounter a guide, and she will lead you the rest of your way and help you with whatever you need. Good luck on your right of joining. Thank you. And then we cut to you walking across these fields toward the forest. And you get to the forest edge. You step in. It becomes much darker. The trees are a lot closer. Uh, and as you're walking, there's like a small deer trail that you're working your way down. And from one of the bushes comes this fox. This orange fox with a yellow belly and brown feet. It steps out in front of you and regards you quizzically. But then there is a rustling behind it in the bushes. The fox startles and jumps into the bushes on the other side of the trail. And then coming from the source of that noise, Tessa, would you like to describe your character? Out from the... Blah, good start. Out from behind the bushes, you see a slender woman with wavy brown hair falling about shoulder length with a long brown dress with an underskirt of orange and yellows and a shawl that buttons at the top over her shoulders that is a light gray. You see this woman flip her hair, put on a huge smile and lightly jog over. Hi! Sister Solstice kind of jumps back. Um. No need to be scared. I'm Mother Canna. I'm Sister Solstice. Hmm. I think I'll call you Solsi. That's not my name. Okay. Anyways. Don't worry about the fox. He's a good friend. Okay. What are you doing? I'm on my ride of joining. Wow. You must be, like, really talented. You could say that. Cool. Well, I'm from the Autumn Coven, so I'll help you out. And she puts her arm around your shoulders and starts walking with you. Sister Solstice eyes are kind of big like what in the world and she continues walking okay so you continue walking uh is there any sort of conversation going between you uh do either one of you have questions for the other sister solstice this uh is probably the guide that the uh mother marigold told you about that you would encounter uh so do you have any questions for her or uh, Mother Canna, do you have any questions for Sister Solstice? So, are you the guide that Mother Marigold was telling me about? Indeed I am. How did you get into being a guide? Sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I really enjoy constantly being in the woods, and I'm not very good at... Um, staying at my station down by the barn. So, they gave me this job instead. It works out really well. So, you didn't fit in, so they shun you to the woods? Uh, I wouldn't say shun. My mom was the one who gave you that bag. 
sorry I thought of a dumb question. I was about to be like, my mom is the one who gave you that bag. Do you have a mother? <laughs> no. <laughs> Birthed myself. Um. Are you really well? <clears throat> we haven't done this in a while. We just have to brush off the cobwebs. I have done this. That's we. That's okay. Okay. Um. <clears throat> so, how much farther? If you're asking that now, it's gonna be a really long time. So, see, tell me about your life. What's your family like? How did you get on this journey? My mom sent me. Oh yeah. Would they say yeah in the 45s? In the 45s? <laughs> in all of the 45s that there are? <laughs> Only in the first one. Pray tell, how'd your mom know to send you? It's a complicated story. Well, we have a long way. So, what can you tell me about autumn magic? It's so much fun. You get to play with the wind, and she switches like twirls her hand a little bit and you just feel like a light breeze pass by your face or tease some weary travelers and she flicks her finger and off in the distance you see a group of leaves from one tree all just fall in one pile at the same time and you can also do a lot of really cool things with the moonlight. You can work on changing your appearance. It takes a long time to learn it all. So what is the heart of autumn magic? The heart of autumn magic? Yeah. Like, uh, all witches pull their power from the heart of nature. Uh, it's just they pull different aspects from the heart of nature. Mm. What are you asking? Like, what is the, like the whole point of summer magic is to like provide people with respite and oh, that kind of I thing see, so I like see, what I is see. the what is the passion what is the drive behind autumn magic i guess yeah, is what yeah. i'm trying to get at um that's a good question i think so the autumn coven's themes are harvest crops change moonlight and wind uh so i think you tessa you could elaborate on that however you wish like what would uh, the autumn coven's like preoccupation be? Uh, I mean, they are, they are based on a farm, so like harvesting and providing food mm-hmm. could be something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think our main goal is to help people and animals and nature through change. There's a lot that happens in the autumn. In the autumn. In autumn. There's a lot that happens in autumn. And so we harvest crops, and we knock leaves off of trees. Sometimes they fall naturally. Not most of the ones in this forest. (laughs) And I don't know. We just make things a little bit easier for everyone. Hmm. It's kind of similar to summer magic. What is the heart of your magic? Summer is all about rest and relaxation and restoration that's what we're about growing up before I would leave each morning to go do my chores or go to school or you know whatever my mom would always say care for the earth and I would always respond with and care for others I don't know it's just been our thing kind of like what me and my mom say anytime I'm leaving to go somewhere. She says, do no harm. And I say, always look out for the underdog. Oh. Maybe we're not that different. Maybe not. And I think as you're having this conversation, the deer trail that you were on comes up to a stream. Uh, But I haven't really described how this forest looks, even though it is... January, the middle of winter, uh, 
we see all these trees that seem to be stuck in autumn. We see the red and gold and yellow leaves on these trees. And uh, as you reach this uh, river, uh, and you can see that the path continues on the other side. How do you get across this river to the other side? Um, when we come to the river, I am going to turn to my guide. So how are we going to cross the river? Hmm. Good question. What are some of your ideas? Um, well, it looks too deep to walk across. Can't go through it. (laughs) (laughs) I could swim, but then I'd be wet and it's cold. Mm -hmm. Um, is there some kind of autumn magic? Maybe. What do you think the autumn magic could do? I could part the water with some wind. Excellent. That's what I was thinking. I think there was someone long ago, Joseph, Mosea, Isaac, I don't know. Anyways, they've done this before, too. I don't know why it's just turned <laughs> Faye. Faye! <laughs> Welcome back! <laughs> We made it. Oh, I'm wearing the doing so you. good. Uh, okay. Um, okay. So, watch me. And you see Mother Canna spin her finger a little bit, and you see just the wind right in front of her, or the air right in front of her, start to spin faster and faster. Not in a way that is dangerous, but you can certainly feel your hair moving. And you notice that Mother Canna's hair moves slightly, but never gets in her eyes as she manipulates the wind. And then she pushes the wind out very confidently, but gently. And the wind moves through the water and creates a tunnel. Go right ahead. She looks around, um, and she slowly takes a step out into the riverbed and crosses. So you cross this through this tunnel of water, uh, Mother Canna. Do you like hold the spell until she's on the other side, or do you walk through it with her? When she gets to the other side, I let it fall, and then. From the other, from the other bank, you hear Mother Canna say, "Salsi, you try." Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> yes, Queen. <laughs> um, she's going to like ready her hands, like Canna did. Um, and she's gonna try to like do the same motions that she did. Okay. Uh, I think this is a power that we have not seen you use. So I think this is a push. So go ahead and roll 2d6 <laughs> and add nothing. Uh, but before we do this, uh, do you think this is a simple, a borderline, or a difficult power? I would think it would be like maybe. <laughs> Maybe borderline, because it's not in my... Well, I mean, anything that's new will be difficult for you, but, like, once you have done it and mastered it, where would it be? Oh, it would be simple. Okay. Okay. So, a simple power. Uh, So, you're going to roll 2d6, uh, and let's see what you get. A six. Okay, so that is not going to succeed, or you could burn a bond with somebody to step it up. I don't think I'm going to succeed the first time I do this. Okay. So, uh, you are going to take one stress for trying to use this power but not being able to. I'm feeling stressed. Uh, So, describe for us what happens as you try to use this this autumn magic as a summer witch um so i'm already like pretty 
realistic about the fact like okay like i'm not gonna be able to do this like sure i'll try um and but then like as i'm starting to do it like it's starting to like the wind is starting to respond to me so i'm like oh maybe i do have this and then it just all like flops off like i get excited and then like it doesn't work okay so i think you you try to do this it doesn't work uh and i think you lose control of the wind and i think the wind starts to whip around you stronger and stronger you were trying to push it out ahead of you like mother uh, kana did and make this tunnel of water but you cannot push it forward you can just only push it around and behind and around and behind and it's just whipping around you and before you know it you are lifted off the ground as this wind that seems to now have a mind of its own is whipping and swirling around you, carrying you up, up, up into the air. Uh, Mother Canna, from your position on the other side of the river, you see Sister Solstice start to lose control of this power. Mother Canna instantly reaches out her hand, whoa, and tries to calm the wind and bring her slowly back to Earth. Okay, I would like for us to roll something. Let me look at the basic moves real quick. Uh, I think this is a take a risk. So, you're going to roll 2d6. And I think for this... So, what are you trying to do? I'm just trying to calm the wind around her and bring her back down. Okay, I think this would be rolling with your protect stat. So, what's your protect stat? Plus one. Okay, so go ahead and roll 2d6 plus one. That is a five. A five. Okay. We are doing great. Uh, so, uh, what happens as you try to control this? Um, okay, so I am trying... Mother Canna is trying to calm down the wind as she's rushing towards Solsi. So she's also focused on making the path in the water and the (laughs) managing both those tasks proves impossible and she gets distracted by how high Solsi is getting up in the air and so she loses focus for a second and the water comes crashing down and Solsi cannonballs next to her in the water Yeah, you both come splashing down into the water. I think for a moment, there is this uh, excitement of uh, danger. You're surrounded by water. It's splashing up over you. Is it coming into your lungs? And then I think you wipe the water from your eyes, and you see yourselves sitting right next to each other on the bank of this river, with the river only coming up about to your ankles seems you have landed in a shallow spot of the river that you didn't know was there. And I think as this excitement and, you know, this near-death experience wears off, you feel like this elation take its place, this lightheadedness. (laughs) So much for not getting wet. So much for it being deep. We're going to need some fire. <laughs> um, so I, we help each other like move onto the bank of the river. And uh, I take a deep breath and I do a hand motion of sorts. And then I kind of like push my hands up and then bring them down. And so... It's like a whoosh of warm air going over us that allows us to, like, be dried and then warm. Excellent. And I think your your clothes are dried. <laughs> okay. I'll take you on this guide if you teach me how to do that. I can try. Excellent. <laughs> And I think you two cross over to the other side of the river. You find that deer trail, uh, and you keep walking further into the forest. And I think the the final panel of this issue is you two standing close together, walking, laughing with each other down this deer trail, 
and we see on the other side of that river that fox standing on the deer trail looking across the river just looking after the two of you end of episode thanks for listening to this week's episode of tales to inspire we'll be back with our next episode in two short weeks if you have social media you can find us on facebook and twitter like and follow us at misconceptions pod for up-to-date information about the show behind the scenes pictures and just to show us your general positive feelings about the show We also have a Discord. You can click the link below to join our Discord so that you can chat with other friends of the show and chat with other cast members directly. We also have an email. If you'd like to contact us that way, you can email us at misconceptionspod at gmail.com. This show is fully supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join that elite group of supporters and gain access to exclusive content please consider joining our Patreon. The Tells to Inspire theme song was composed by Esteban Del Pino. You can find out more about his music on fiverr.com slash I-A-M underscore W-A-K-E. The special guest featured in this episode was Tessa Wolford, who can be found at TessaNicole03 on Twitter. Sister Solstice was played by Carrie White, who hates Twitter and refuses to get one. And I'm David White, your editor-in-chief. You can find me at Mr. Banana Socks on Twitter. The role-playing game system used in this production was a modified version of the Worlds in Peril role-playing game by Sam Joko Publishing, featuring elements from the Avatar Legends role-playing game and Masks A New Generation role-playing game both by Magpie Games. Tales to Inspire is a product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and buy cool merch at misconceptionspod.com. And that's it for this week's episode of Tales to Inspire. Thank you so much for listening, and keep it nerdy, y'all.